Welcome to the Locker Room Podcast, presented by the University of Maryland Sports Business Society. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 14 of the Locker Room Podcast, where we take a look behind the scenes of sports business. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Coach Reggie Barlow. Barlow is the current head coach and general manager of the XFL's DC Defenders. He has over 15 years of experience as a coach, previously coaching at Virginia State and his alma mater, Alabama State. Prior to coaching, he was a record-breaking receiver and kick returner at Alabama State and was later drafted in the fourth round of the 1996 NFL Draft by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He played in the NFL for eight years and was part of the Super Bowl 37 championship team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Without further ado, I'm excited to introduce you all to Coach Barlow. How are you today, Coach? I am doing wonderful, man. Thanks for having me on. Hope everything is good your way. Absolutely. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, like we mentioned before, uh, I know that you're very busy with the, uh, the draft being a couple weeks ago and the, pre or the preseason process. So we really are appreciative for you coming on. So uh, we can just jump right in, kind of have a, a few different categories of questions that we're going to kind of ask you through. The first one is kind of uh, focused on your college football experience. So um, what did it mean to you to stay at home and play college football at Alabama State? Yeah, I was real grateful for the opportunity to play at Alabama State. Uh, I really was recruited by him, so uh, it was a blessing uh, being able to stay there. Coach Houston Martin was a guy that gave me the opportunity to come play at Alabama State. So being able to at home, familiar uh, stadium, because the high school stadium was the same as the stadium that Alabama State played in. So it was cool. Uh, obviously, parents get to come to the game, brothers get to come to the game, uh, people in the community. So uh, I really enjoyed that. Awesome. So that kind of also answered my next question. Uh, we were going to like ask you to take us through your uh, steps of uh, recruit your own recruitment during college football. Was Alabama State kind of just uh, the only one that that stuck out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, to be honest, I, I had no other offers. Um, I didn't go on any other visits. Um, so that was the only school that really showed interest in me uh, coming out of high school. Uh, and I was playing baseball. That's really how I got discovered. Um, but the, the head football coach there, his son and I played baseball together. And, um, you know, but my high school team wasn't very good. So that might have had something to do with it. Um, but uh, we're just grateful that we did get that one opportunity and we made the best of it. Gotcha. So after playing in the NFL, you, you sort of jumped right into coaching. Um, I'm kind of curious as to was being in the locker room as a player, did that kind of motivate you to take to take that decision to, to uh, go on to the coaching side? Well, Andrew, really getting into coaching was more about um, as a player, um, always being prepared, knowing more than one position, um, playing the X receiver, Z receiver. And we had a coach by the name Richard Mann, who's our wide receiver coach. I uh, had a lot of conversations with him about uh, getting involved in coaching after uh, I retired. He thought it was a good, uh, a good idea. Uh, so we tried it out. We volunteered for a year or so at the high school level and then was afforded an opportunity to coach at Alabama State. Gotcha. Uh, do you think your experience as a player was necessary for such a position? 
I mean, I, I think uh, being a, a, a former player, I mean, I think, you know, there are some advantages to it, um, but obviously I don't think you have to have played on the NFL level or, or college level to be a successful coach. There's a lot of guys out there that didn't play in the NFL. Um, obviously Bill Belichick is one of them. Obviously played college ball, but um, yeah, uh, I, I, I think there are some advantages. You know, you do you know, kind of get a little instant credibility when guys know you play uh, pro ball, especially when you're on the college level. So, um, but uh, we've taken our experiences um, from playing, obviously, uh, to, to help us as a head coach as well. In the past few years, we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of difference come to the the world of recruiting and how recruiting is done, especially uh, with uh, NIL being approved a few years ago. Uh, what are your thoughts on NIL and its uh, its like future in the, in shaping recruiting? Yeah, NIL has really uh, been a big deal for um, these colleges. Um, I tell you, I'm kind of glad I don't have to deal with that at this point. But um, I, I mean, I think there's. You know, do, do student athletes deserve to be paid, right? I mean, they, these guys uh, do bring a lot um, to the university. So uh, they should have an opportunity to use their name, image, and likeness to be uh, compensated. Uh, the only thing is, is we see the guys that are being compensated, but everybody's not. And that's unfortunate because now you have some guys that's, you know, maybe don't have the bigger name or whatever and just hadn't been able to get those deals. So, uh that's the bad part of it that everybody don't get a chance to um, to get that. Kind of, we we saw it uh, have a have a major uh, impact on all different levels of college football. Part of it was also uh, in the way that uh, Deion Sanders helped helped build Jackson State. Um, as a former coach at an HBU school, HBCU school, do you think it's possible for others to follow a model that he did with that kind of combining like his experience with NIL and just like the the uh, promise of like a of a good future with the school? Yeah, I, I mean, I commend Ashley Robertson, the AD at Jackson State. I mean, he hit it out of the park by getting Deion Sanders to come there. And the impact that Deion had at Jackson State was obviously tremendous. Um, but there's only one Deion Sanders. And I'm just not so sure who would be a guy that would be able to bring what he brought uh, to Jackson State and obviously what he's going to bring to Colorado. So We've seen some other schools take that model. Tennessee State, they ended up hiring uh, Eddie, Eddie, uh, Eddie George, um, you know, and, and he's working hard and hopefully things will work out for him. But it's only one Deion Sanders. And if they try that model, there's no guarantee it may work because whoever they're getting is not Coach Prime. I mean, he's a different dude and uh, the swagger and obviously the football knowledge and everything that comes with him uh, really sets him apart. Right. And his, and his jump to Colorado, uh, big time news. We've already seen a number of uh, really highly touted recruits either decommitting and flipping to Colorado or or soon to be committing to Colorado. Do you think um, just even though he is new to the coaching scene, we obviously have seen his success at, at that HBCU level. Do you think that he um, will be able to continue that into a power five conference? Yeah, well, I think part of being a good coach is surrounding yourself with good assistant coaches and support staff. Uh, he's smart enough to do that. He's done that at Jackson State. He had some guys with a lot of credibility and guys who have coached on the NFL level. So, um, and he's doing the same now with the coaches that he's hired at Colorado. So uh, they'll make sure that their guys are coached up and uh, he'll lead them the right way. And, you know, before long, yeah, he'll be having success there. Thank you. Uh, moving on to your playing career. Um, 
when you when you got drafted by the Jaguars, uh, what was running through your head when that happened? Were you expecting it? Uh, was that like a team you saw yourself going to? Uh, I actually didn't see myself being drafted by the Jaguars. Um, I, there, you know, during the combine and all these other meetings, you you meet with all type of teams. And um, for me, who I wanted to be drafted by was San Francisco 49ers, obviously because of Jerry Rice. Uh, but that didn't happen. Uh, I didn't had some thoughts of I may go to the New York Giants because I met with them a few times, but um, I didn't go the first day, uh, which is one through three rounds back then. And my agent told me that he felt like I would come off the board pretty fast on day two in the fourth round. Just didn't know which team, but really glad that I was drafted by Jacksonville. I think it was a great fit for me uh, leaving home, being in a new city and uh, things worked out. As somebody who excelled as a, as a returner during your career, um, we've seen recently just uh, the increasing talk of the importance of special teams. We have, we have a few NFL teams who are, are really like moving towards um, improving that because we've seen like, especially with the Chargers last year, who had a really good high ranked offense, but a low ranked special teams kind of held them out of the playoffs. As a former like impact player there, what do you like, what do you preach um, is important on special teams and how much do you think special teams has on a team's success? Yeah, um, there's three phases, right? Offense, defense, and then special teams. Um, and you got to win two of them. And special team has to be uh, one of them. And it's important. You create positive field position uh, for your team. Uh, and in the XFL, because of our rules and our kickoff rules, uh, it's going to be more important that um, we're good on special teams, especially on kickoff and then punt return. So um, it's definitely a dimension that you have to work on daily, and uh, you have to be ready to roll with it. What was it like uh, in your experience getting to be a part of a, of a Super Bowl locker room? Was the culture any different than the other teams you had been a part of? You know, playing in Tampa was a blessing. Uh, we had some amazing leaders there. Uh, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, John Lynch, a bunch of Hall of Famers. And uh, these guys led by an example. Uh, they set the tone for what they wanted our season, what practice supposed to look like. And uh, it was really a special moment to see. After all those years, Tampa had been so close for them to get to the Super Bowl and win it. And uh, just really humbled and blessed that we had an opportunity to be a part of that. And uh, just love that, love that team. There's a lot of really great guys on that team. And I think that set, set us apart. Gotcha. So moving on to uh, your current role as, uh, as the coach of the defenders. Um, obviously, we talked about your decision to jump into coaching after playing. What uh, made you decide to jump into coaching a professional team after being in college for so many years? Do you think um, it, it was just like an experience kind of thing? Well, I mean, it was I had been in college for so long and, um, you know, we all want to be able to coach at the highest level, uh, hopefully, um, you know, one day. But um, the opportunity came along. Um, an opportunity to be a head coach in a professional league uh, with the leadership that we had. It was just a, it was a no brainer for me. So I'm glad and humbled that I got the opportunity uh, to be the coach. We've seen in the emergence of some of these other uh, of these other football leagues, like the XFL and the USFL, giving more players opportunities to like fulfill their dreams and just be able to play football professionally and hopefully make it uh, to an NFL roster spot. Um, how much of an impact do you think X the XFL can have for the future of football? Yeah, I love it, man. Um, an opportunity for these young men to not have to travel uh, to Canada and some of these other places. Uh, there's enough good talent here in the States. Uh, some of them just need a little bit more development. That's what we'll be for. 
will be here to, uh, to help develop these guys, uh, to help them uh, achieve their goals and get to the next level. So uh, I know the XFL will. Uh, we got great coaches. Um, the league has been put together the right way. And I think, uh, you know, when the season started, everybody will get a chance to see that. Um, obviously, we know that the XFL held a lot of popularity before uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, how have you as as a coach and uh, as just like a, a franchise and the XFL as a whole, um, how have you guys navigated the return from that? And what do you think might be the uh, the next steps or the keys for helping the XFL return to the, its popularity that it held um, prior to COVID? Yeah, prior to COVID, it was rolling pretty good. Um, people love football in America, and people were excited about it. Um, you got to have a good brand, right? You got to your product has to be good. Um, but with that, with our leadership, with uh, Miss Garcia and uh, the owners of the league, and then of course the executive Russ Brandon, uh, the other people that's a part of it, uh, the league will be put together, right? And um, I mean, you got the Rock that's a part of this deal too. So of course, uh, it's going to be exciting to um, be a part of it. Uh, a lot of you know, TV games, these young men that'll be on these teams, uh, you know, they deserve an opportunity to show their stuff and uh, we're going to give them a chance to. It seems like having somebody like The Rock at, at the top who went through a similar story is really passionate about trying to bring uh, his dream to other people. So I'm hoping that would be that'll be the case of a good brand for sure. Right on. I agree. Um. You mentioned this a little bit earlier with like talk about special teams and different XFL rules for that. Um, what are some of the rule changes that you have seen kind of going from obviously playing the NFL, coaching college, playing and coaching in college, now to the XFL? What are some of the different rule changes in the XFL that you think might be a little bit of a challenge or might provide like a little bit of excitement to fans? Well, I think it starts with our kickoff rule. Uh, our guys will be 10 yards apart. Um, we're looking to have a high percentage of returns. Right now, the NFL is on a return of all around 30% of the time, uh, 28% or something like that. Uh, last time out, we were returning at like 90%. So um, I think that part of it will bring a lot of excitement. The kickers have to be on their game. They can't kick it out of the end zone because they get the ball farther up on the field if they do that. So uh, I think that in itself would be uh, really exciting for our fans. Obviously, the draft was uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, could you take us through uh, kind of the, uh, the part of the processes of that as uh, you are both coach and the GM? Obviously, I know it's very long. It's 44 rounds. How did how did the team scout available players, and how long did the team navigate? Like, how, how long was it uh, just part of a process uh, before and after? Yeah, it was an extremely tedious process. Uh, we met a lot. Uh, Vaughn Hutchins, who's our uh, director of player personnel, did an amazing job of building our board. Our coaches did an amazing job of scouting guys and the type of guys that we wanted to bring into our uh, organization. Uh, and then on draft day, obviously there's some guys that we like that were picked by other teams. So you got to have the next guy ready, um, which we were able to do that. And uh, I thought we came out of the draft really well with the guys that, um, that we picked, but it was uh, an, a, a strenuous uh, process because you got to watch a lot uh, of film and most of it we were doing on zoom but then we decided to uh, go to some destinations so we can meet up in person and get a better feel for what we were looking at and uh, like I said we built our board and uh, worked out for it. perfect
So just just to end end it off, uh, we do something here on the podcast called the Maryland Minute. It's just kind of like a series of uh, rapid fire questions, just like very just kind of generic things, but uh, something that we think might provide a little bit of uh, good insight from uh, someone like you. Uh, The first one was um, who was your favorite teammate uh, when when you played uh, at any level? Uh, Keenan McCardell. Excellent leader. Excellent. uh, Excellent player for sure. Growing up, who did you personally try to model your game after? Jerry World Rice. I heard you mention him earlier. I thought that might be the answer. Uh, what was one moment in your career that was most memorable to you? Uh, I think my first touchdown in NFL, my mom happened to be at that game. It was playing against the New England Patriots uh, in Jacksonville. And I ran a kickoff return for like 92 yards for a touchdown. So um, that was really exciting. That was awesome. Uh, finally, what is your uh, go-to hype-up song before a game? It's so many the name, man. But I tell you, you throw anything on by Lil Baby right now, and uh, it's it's, it's going to be rolling. So Lil Baby, Kodak Black, 21 Savage. I mean, I could go on for days if you don't stop me here. But, uh, you know, Outkast. So there's a, there's a lot, man. But being up in the D.C. area, man, I got to learn my go-go music. So uh, I'll be ready to rock and roll. Absolutely excellent music. Well, Coach, thank you very much. Want to give a huge shout out to Coach Barlow for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Really appreciate you sitting down with us discussing the upcoming season uh, and wish you the best of luck preparing for your team for the season. To all the listeners, follow us on Instagram at SBS underscore UMD. Stay up to late or stay up to date on all the latest locker room podcast guests and news. Thank you again, Coach Barlow. Best luck with the season and hope you have a good rest of your day. Hey, I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Go Defenders. Thank you. Go Defenders. Thank you very much. I don't think.